Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our Thursday episode for week 22. Uh, today's date, March 16th of 2023. I'm your host, Karsten, for today. Um, since it's a Thursday, if you're new to the show, what we do every Thursday is we do our segment, which we call Franchise Focus, essentially uh, along with our normal game summaries and key news from the last day or so of NBA uh, events and action. We also do this franchise focus segment in which we uh, talk about a specific franchise in three different segments. The first being the current franchise's uh, direction, outlook, what the last couple of seasons have brought, what the future brings for them potentially uh, going forward. Then next, we focus on a historic team from that franchise's history. Uh, could be one of their better teams in their franchise history. It could be uh, simply a notable team. It could be an exercise in what if, uh, as far as some players on that team. And then lastly, we talk about a notable and or legendary player from that franchise's history. Uh, so those are the three segments, and we will get into that in just a moment. But first, of course, let's start with our game summaries from last night's action. Uh, last night being Wednesday, uh, March 15th. Firstly, the uh, Philadelphia 76ers get a big win on the road in Cleveland against the Cavaliers, 118-109, to 109, as they continue to make a strong case for themselves as uh, one of the top teams in the East, if not potentially the best team in the East, uh, with teams like the Celtics and Bucks uh, right there in that mix, just ab- just ahead of the Sixers in the standings at the moment. Uh, and the Sixers, this is their sixth straight win, this win against the Cavaliers. Back and forth game, both teams held double-digit leads at various points, um, but it was the Sixers that were able to come out on top in the end. For the Cavs, they were led by uh, Donovan Mitchell in his return after a brief absence, 21 points, six rebounds, three assists, and three steals. Uh, 24 points off the bench for Karis LeVert. He was the uh, Cavs' leading scorer in this game. 15 points each for Darius Garland and Chetty Osman, and 13 points, 12 rebounds for Evan Mobley, continuing to start at center in place of Jarrett Allen. Meanwhile, for the Sixers, Joel Embiid did what you'd expect him to do. 36 points, 18 rebounds, uh, four blocks, great shooting percentages all night, 10 of 10 from the free throw line, Uh, But he was also aided by his co-star, James Harden, 28 points, 12 assists, and three steals for Harden. Those two have been very potent this season, especially over the last month or so. Uh, Tyrese Maxey starting again gets uh, the – he adds some more points for Philadelphia, excuse me, uh, 23 points, four rebounds, three assists. And then they had 11 points off the bench for Shake and Milton. So very much a, a three-man effort that really uh, propelled the Sixers to the win in that one. Very nice win for them. Next, the Miami Heat win at home against the Memphis Grizzlies, 138-119. to uh, And their offense was working well. The Grizzlies' leads were in the first quarter. Miami took a lead at the beginning of the second and uh, never looked back from that lead, leading by as much as 28 points early fourth quarter to win this one. For the Grizzlies, uh, 25 points and nine rebounds for Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, their lone all-star in the continued absence of John Morant. But again, we've reported that Morant uh, has the opportunity to return within the next week or so, so that will be good for Memphis to have him back on the floor. 14 points off the bench for the recently acquired Luke Kennard. four or five from three-point range to get those 14 points along with a couple free throws. Um, 11 points each for Desmond Bain and Tyus Jones starting. 
However, for the, the Heat, of course, they won the game. They had the hotter offense. All five of their starters scored in double figures, including three of them with 20 or more points. Uh, leading scorer there being Bam Adebayo with 26 points, eight rebounds, and three blocks. 24 points, six assists for Tyler Hero. And 23 points, eight rebounds, six assists for Jimmy Butler, their star player, alongside Adebayo as the Heat get a nice win against the Grizzlies. Next, Sacramento Kings bounce back after their tough loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. They bit, uh, they beat the Chicago Bulls in Chicago, one seventeen to one fourteen. A close game and a De'Aaron Fox game-winning type shot secured the victory for them. Uh, Bulls held the biggest lead of the game, sixteen points in the second quarter. Back and forth, second half, as many as twenty lead changes across the whole game. Uh, but again, the Kings come out on top in this one. For the Bulls, Demar Derozan had 33 points. He actually led all scorers uh, for either the Bulls or the Kings uh, with those 33 points, including four of six from three-point range. 25 points for Zach Levine and 20 points, 14 rebounds for Nikola Vucevic. Those, uh, the big three for Chicago doing their job, uh, especially scoring. Uh, Pat Bev, Patrick Beverly uh, had 11 rebounds along with uh, a few assists and some blocks and steals doing his part. Off the bench, Kobe White and Patrick Williams uh, 12 points for White, 13 points for Patrick Williams. Meanwhile, for the Kings, uh, De'Aaron Fox led them 32 points. And Demonis Sabonis had another triple-double, 14 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists, uh, along with a steal and a block. Alongside them, Kevin Herter had 15 points, and Harrison Barnes had 17 points. They also had 19 points off the bench for Malik Monk. So just a touch more balanced for the Kings. And again, a, a clutch shot from Darren Fox helps seal the victory for them. Next, uh, another surprise note, the the Rockets getting some kind of surprising wins recently. And they've beat the, they beat the Celtics a little while ago. And now they've beat the Lakers. Uh, that game, they won 114 to 110 in Houston against the Lakers. Um, kind of interesting that they beat both the Celtics and the Lakers in such a short time, especially after they've struggled much of the season. Uh, the Rockets led by as much as 18 points, and the only time they trailed was the very beginning of the game. Otherwise, they um, led this whole game. For the Lakers, uh, they were without Anthony Davis or LeBron James in this game. Uh, so they're kind of role players stepping up in the, the absence. Leading scorer in this game for the Lakers being Austin Reeves with 24 points coming off of the bench. Uh, 18 points for D'Angelo Russell and 16 points each for Malik Beasley and Dennis Schroeder. Jared Vanderbilt starting at center in this game had 13 points, 10 rebounds. And Wenyan Gabriel had 14 rebounds off the bench. Very impressive for him. However, the Rockets won the game and Kevin Porter Jr. led all scorers 27 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists. He's had a nice few games the last uh, week or so. 18 points for Jabari Smith Jr., 16 for Kenyon Martin Jr., and uh, 13 points, 9 rebounds, 2 blocks, 6 assists for Alperen Shingun, uh, the versatile center for the Rockets as they get a nice win against the Lakers. Next, the Celtics uh, right the ship. They beat the Minnesota Timberwolves in Minnesota, 104-102. to uh, Jalen Brown leading the charge for them. Uh, Celtics never trailed after the beginning of the second quarter. For the Timberwolves, they were led by uh, Anthony Edwards, who had 28 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists. Nice all-round game. 15 points each for Kyle Anderson, Rudy Gobert, and Nas Reed coming off the bench. 14 points for Jaden McDaniels. Meanwhile, the Celtics, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, 
doing what you'd normally expect them to do. Brown this time, the leading scorer, 35 points, 10 rebounds. Jason Tatum, 22 points, 12 rebounds, uh, two steals and a block as well. 12 points off the bench for Malcolm Brogdon, 11 points for Al Horford, and the Celtics get that win against the Timberwolves. Uh, this game, this next game was probably the uh, most exciting game of the of the slate as far as, you know, an overtime affair. The Dallas Mavericks win on the road in San Antonio against the Spurs without Luka or Kyrie. Uh, they win in overtime, 137 to 128, high scoring affair, uh, back and forth game, 24 lead changes throughout this game. Uh, the Mavericks end up winning it in overtime for the Spurs. They had seven players with 10 or more points. The leading scorer being Keldon Johnson, their de facto star, uh, 27 points, eight rebounds, and 20 points off the bench for Malachi Branham, the rookie, 17 points as well for Romeo Langford. Meanwhile, for the Mavericks, they had five players with 20 or more points. Very impressive scoring for them. The leading scorer there being Christian Wood with 28 points and 13 rebounds coming off the bench, 22 points each for Dwight Powell and Jaden Hardy, 21 for Josh Green, and 20 points, 13 rebounds for Reggie Bullock. A very impressive win for Dallas. And finally, the L.A. Clippers win at home against the Golden State Warriors, 134-126, to despite a monster effort from Steph Curry. Um, Warriors led uh, at a few points in this game, but then the Clippers uh, really took charge. And especially in the second half, they really controlled the game for the most part. For the Warriors, we mentioned Steph Curry. He had 50 points in this game off incredible shooting numbers, uh, along with six assists and two steals. One of his probably one of the best games he's played in a loss. Uh, It's not often that Curry scores 50 and they still find a way to lose that game. They also had 19 points off the bench from Jordan Poole. 15 from Clay Thompson, 10 points from Dante DiVincenzo, and 13 rebounds for Kevon Looney. Meanwhile, the Clippers, a little more balanced effort. 30 points for Kawhi Leonard, along with 8 rebounds, 5 assists on good percentages. Uh, 24 points for Paul George, his co-star. 19 points and 16 rebounds for Ivica Zubats, and 15 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists for Russell Westbrook, along with 2 steals. Uh, doing a nice job in that starting point guard role. They also had 16 points from Eric, Eric Gordon and 17 points from Terrence Mann, both of those guys coming off the bench. Very balanced attack for the Clippers and tough for the Warriors to overcome that when they didn't have a wealth of uh, standout performances outside of Steph Curry's phenomenal game. That was the win for the Clippers, and that is our game summaries from last night's action, uh, the seven-game set from last night. Uh, so that takes care of the game summaries. Let's go ahead and talk through the key news real quick. Not a ton of items for you today, um, but some important stuff. Firstly, for Chicago, uh, continued uh, bad news on the front of the Lonzo Ball uh, injury situation. Of course, he has not played at all this season, has not played since February of last year uh, with a couple of different knee injuries and surgeries. We reported about a week or two ago that uh, there was the possibility that Lonzo Ball would need a third procedure on that knee and that uh, we now have an update officially that is going to be the next course of action for him this procedure is going to be a knee cartilage transplant um at this point with the severity of the injuries and the length of time has taken him out as well as the time it's taken to try and recover there are some concerns about his ability to really return to play and be uh, be able to play consistently or play at all even 
which is definitely frightening to hear about. But it's good that he's going to be able to uh, undergo this procedure and still has a good chance of being able to play again. Um, and for the Bulls and for himself, hopefully that is the case and he's able to return to action. So we're certainly wishing Lonzo Ball the best, uh, one of the better point guards in the NBA, especially defensively. And uh, with his passing vision, he's always been phenomenal there. So wishing him the best uh, as he goes forward with that procedure uh, in within the next, uh, you know, weeks and months and, and so on. Um Contract news uh, for the Atlanta Hawks uh, guard Boyan or Bogdan Bogdanovich, not Boyan Bogdan, has agreed to terms on a contract extension, a four-year, sixty-eight million dollar contract. Uh, technically, the way that this works, he had a player option for next season. Technically, he declines that player option, but he has this new contract extension, so that new contract will kick in at the beginning of next season. So, congratulations to him. He's been a great piece for them coming off the bench, and he's a uh, He's a great scorer in his own right, uh, even in limited minutes. So that's a nice signing there. I like that for Atlanta. Uh, next, for the Warriors, uh, Draymond Green has been automatically suspended one game without pay because he has received his 16th technical foul of the season. Uh, so something certainly worth noting there. And finally, some news out of Charlotte. Uh, Hornets owner Michael Jordan is reportedly in discussions to sell uh, a majority stake in the team to uh, a couple of minority ownership uh people one of them has minority ownership in the the hornets itself themselves and um another one has minority ownership in the atlanta hawks uh so a couple of guys with my minority stakes looking to you know form a little group team up to to potentially purchase a majority stake in the hornets uh if this happens this is a report from adrian wojnarowski of espn if this happens jordan will likely still keep a minority stake but he will have a little bit less say and he will have less to do as far as day-to-day operations uh, and the long-term, you know, direction of the team that will transfer more over to these uh, potential new owners. Uh, Again, nothing official there, but that's something that's in discussion. Uh, And again, that's a report from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. And that takes care of our key news for today. So we've got our news, our summaries. Now we have the chance to jump into the main uh, portion of today's show, our franchise focus for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, and as I mentioned at the beginning, it starts with the current Raptors uh, direction, their players, the the outlook for them going forward. Um, and they're kind of in an interesting spot. Um, as it stands, their record, they're in that mix as far as sliding into a play-in type position in the Eastern Conference. Currently sitting ninth in the East, that would get them Uh, a matchup in the play-in tournament with the number 10 seed, the Washington Wizards, Uh, pretty similar records overall. So they're in that odd, you know, middle ground, no man's land, if you will, however you want to look at it, where they're not a truly competitive team as far as, you know, being able to win a strong playoff series or two in the Eastern Conference. But they're also not a, you know, very subpar team as far as you know low record not even in play in contention uh seriously you know rebuilding for the future needing a lot of pieces they're somewhere in that middle ground uh with their current team as it's constituted and i have questions as far as what the long-term direction is for the team Uh, they have a lot of you know great pieces and they've got great players uh they have two all-stars either this season or in past seasons Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet. Um, 
Siakam has been the better player this season. Van Vliet is still productive, although not as stellar as he's been in the past. Um, but those two are great players, you know, and they're both of them still fairly young. I mean, Van Vliet is um, how old is he? He is 29. So he's a little bit older than maybe I was anticipating. Siakam might be in that same range, 28. So they're kind of in their primes at the moment. Of course, as I mentioned, they've been all-stars. They're in their primes for this Raptors squad. They made a, a very good move for this season as far as reacquiring Yaka Pirtle from the Spurs. And since he's joined the Raptors, he's been very good. Uh, about 15 points a game, nine rebounds, uh, nearly two steals and two blocks per game. Uh, defensively as a center, he's been very impressive. Um, and, you know, he's a pretty good fit as far as the modern NBA, what you need from, you know, on average, what you need from your center spot and, you need defensive ability, you need rebounding, and he can, you know, pick and roll and do some of those types of things to pick up some points as well. So that's a great piece, but he's similar to, um, you know, Siakam and Van Vliet. He's a little bit older, 27 years old. Um, so they've got pieces that are in their primes that are very productive. The team is not as successful as maybe you would think with some of this talent. They have had some injury troubles. Scotty Barnes, the rookie, you know, he's their their future building block. He's only 21 years old, and he's going to be, you know, you anticipate him as a star-type player. Um, and he's still been very good. I mean, 16 points a game, seven rebounds, five assists, about a steal, a little less than a block a game. So he's got that versatility still that made him rookie of the year last year. Um, we haven't seen a, a abundance of – you know, a step forward, he's maybe in a sophomore slump or maybe just still figuring things out as far as taking that next step, but he's still productive nonetheless. Anunobi has been um, kind of middle of the road as far as what we'd expect. You know, some people thought he would be a future all-star. Some people maybe thought that he would just be, you know, continued role player. I'd say he's been an above average role player in the sense that, you know, he's starting playing starting minutes. He picks up good points, 16, nearly 17 points a game. Um, he's on the boards, he, you know, works within the team offense, but he's uh, well above average defender. Uh, some people have him in the mix for defensive player of the year, two steals a game, uh, close to a block a game. And so Anadobi fits alongside Scotty Barnes, Siakam in a sense, uh, maybe even Pirtle as far as this Raptors bunch of guys that have great size and great length. Um, especially once you get small forward, power forward, those kind of positions, you know, with Anunoby and Scotty Barnes. Um, they have a wealth of those guys. They have Gary Trent Jr., who's an interesting piece in this mix. He's currently 24 years old, so he's, you know, still got some room to grow even further, but he's a great scorer. Uh, touch of a bench piece for them, in a sense. I mean, uh, he might be – He you have Anunoby or Scotty Barnes starting at shooting guard with this ultra big Raptors lineup. And so Trent is more of your bench piece. Now they've acquired Jakob Pertle. Uh before Pertle, they were sliding everyone down and they had Siakam at center. Um, and so the, I like the balance better and Trent as a six man, that's a great outlook. And, you know, part of the equation could be as far as this team underachieving a little bit, they played so much of the season without that balance, without Pertle at center and his, what he's brought to the team this season. That could be a big factor as far as them being below 500, underachieving in a sense. You know, so it might be interesting to see the next coming years what they can do if Pirtle is that long-term centerpiece now they've got him back. Because their depth, especially the front court depth, is is really intriguing. Precious Achua, 
and Chris Boucher are both guys, similar sizes, power forward or center, length, some athleticism, you know, boards, uh, some, you know, pick and roll type points, and they're not slouches defensively by any sense. So their front court depth is incredible. The guards are probably the biggest question. Um, and, you know, some of that scoring type touch was not helped by the loss of Otto Porter, who's kind of a tweener, more of a small forward, maybe power forward. They lost him very early in the season. He's out for the rest of the season. That's a tough one. Thad Young is getting older, so he's regressing a little bit, as you might expect. Uh, Juan Hernan Gomez, Juan Hernan Gomez hasn't been a huge long-term answer. The rookie Christian Coloco has his moments. Um, so that's probably the big thing going forward. You know, it seems that the Raptors really want to be competitive with some of their, you know, star players. If they're going to be competitive with those guys, it's going to be within the next few years. And for that, they probably need a little bit more guard help. I mean, again, Van Vliet, a former all-star, he's very good. Gary Trent Jr. is above average, six-man type player. If he's at, if that's what he's going to be as a starter, he has his moments, um, but it's maybe a bit inconsistent as far as that consistent scoring. But outside of that, there's, I mean, Malachi Flynn has been all right. Um, you know, Will Barton, they they signed him recently, but he hasn't played a ton of minutes. So there's serious questions about the guards, and I think they just seem to be a bit overloaded at those front court type positions. They have enough of the length and height and defensive versatility. They need a touch more, you know, natural scoring guys. You know, even their leading scorer, Pascal Siakam, has really had to work to become – an above average scorer is averaging about 24 points a game this season, but they need something more alongside him. I think, you know, that's kind of my outlook. And so it goes two ways for this Raptors team. If they're looking to be competitive with, with Siakam, Van Vliet, um, Jakob Pertl, that kind of core being the star players and the rest being the younger guys still developing, but being, you know, the backups, the role players, those kinds of things. Then, you know, they need some immediate guard type of help. But if the plan is, you know, Ananobi, who's actually a little bit older than you might think, he's 25 years old himself at this point. But if him, Scotty Barnes, uh, Achiwa, Coloco, if those are going to be the emphasis going forward, you move some pieces, then they need to find, you know, a guy, a guard guy that's going to fit alongside them and be that developmental piece for the future. Either way, I think the guards are kind of the, you know, the point of emphasis for this team building forward. And, you know, and maybe just the, you know, there's some questions for Nick Nurse. And I don't, I certainly don't want to question the credentials of a NBA championship winning head coach. He joined Steve Kerr as, you know, one of the few guys to do that. And it was kind of around the same time. And the Raptors have been contenders. They were contenders that very next season, even without Kawhi Leonard. So that was a great sign. They've been competitive more often than not uh, within that time frame, especially of Nick Nurse being the head coach. And so I don't want to say that he can't get it done because I think he certainly can, and he has gotten it done. Um, but, you know, having, you know, that peak of their franchise fall a bit and they faded and regressed back to more of a mid-pack kind of team, now the challenge is, as they try and build that team back up, can he be the coach to build back up along with it? Uh, sometimes, you know, there's just the perfect situation for the perfect coach and they aren't able to figure it out outside of that. 
maybe it's just not the right fit with whatever that new personnel is. There's a, a myriad of, you know, possibilities and factors that play into all of this. But that's just something to consider alongside, of course, what I'm saying, I believe is kind of the main question mark going forward is the guards and the depth of guards, uh, whether it's immediate contention is the goal or building for a more stout, you know, type of thing in the, you know, a little bit longer term type outlook. So those are my questions for the Raptors. Um, if I'm a Raptors fan and I'm, you know, looking at the outlook, I think you're in a decent spot where, you know, you're, you can go, you can enjoy your team as a competitive team and you have a lot of guys to root for a lot of great personalities and great players. Um, but if you want to be competitive, you know, I guess it's just back to that same question. Are you hoping that it's, these guys that are established and have been all-stars or you're hoping it's the younger core and it takes a little bit more time, but either way, I think you feel all right as far as they've got options, you know, and that's more than can be said for some other teams. You know, there's teams that are obviously they have to strip things back and they have to build young, but the, you know, the Raptors have the potential to kind of go two ways. They build with proven talent or they develop the younger talent. And that's kind of unique. So I think that's a good outlook for the Raptors and uh, if you're a fan, I feel like you feel pretty good about that uh, that team overall. So that's kind of the outlook of the Raptors in the near future. Let's talk about the um, our, our next segment, a historic team from the Raptors history. And I want to talk about the 2007 Toronto Raptors, who were kind of a, an anomaly in some senses, especially for the Raptors of that era. Now, you think about uh, early to mid-2000s, Vince Carter was traded. Uh, Chris Bosch was a young, talented player, and that was kind of the, um, you know, you thought, okay, Chris Bosch is going to be, you know, maybe an all-star type player in the future. They don't have a ton of pieces around that. They'll probably, you know, be perennially missing the playoffs or underperforming and those types of things. That was maybe more the pessimistic look of uh, or view of it. And in some senses, that was the case. You know, you take 2009 – uh, 2010, those were the last years that Chris Bosch played in Toronto. The seasons, you know, in his first few seasons in the NBA, they, that kind of fit the mold. But in the middle of that, when he was, you know, right in the middle of his career in Toronto, uh, they made two straight playoffs. And the first of those in 2007, they were 47 and 35, and they were division champs. They were the uh, Atlantic division champions in the NBA, which is certainly nothing to to, you know, sneeze at i mean that, that's pretty remarkable pretty standout and the team was interesting it was an interesting mix they had of course chris bosh at that point he was still kind of their starting center um and we're gonna have a chance to talk a little bit more in depth about chris bosh in just a moment but he's the starting center even though he's more power forward uh but he's got the size and now at this point enough stature he's got the strength to make it work as a starting center you know stretch player 34 percent from three uh, but he's just a great player all around. 22 points a game, 10 rebounds, nearly 11 rebounds per game. Uh, a little more than a block a game, a couple assists a game. So he's, you know, going to be the main piece for this Raptors team. And just around him, they've got the right mix of solid guys. They don't really have a true second star. The closest you're going to get is TJ Ford, who was in, you know, maybe the best season of his career. His unfortunately brief in many ways career. 14 points a game, eight assists. Uh, a couple of steals, a couple of rebounds, um, you know, 30% from three, not stellar, but he was more of a floor general and he fit that very well. 
Anthony Parker, great three-point shooter, 44% from three, uh, adding some scoring there. Uh, Jorge Garbajosa, one of the few, um, I believe, oh no, he was he was Spanish, but was still one of the few Spanish players alongside his fellow Spanish teammate, Jose Calderon, who was in you know his first few seasons in the NBA. But Garbajosa took Vince Carter's number, but he was... He was no Vince Carter, but he was a decent old player himself. You know, nearly ten points a game, thirty-four uh, percent from three, filling some of the you know kind of a gap filler guy, filling some spots as far as you know some rebounds, some assists, things like that. Um, those were the starters, and then um, you know they also had Rasho Nesterovich, who I guess started center as well. That's one thing that, as far as this two thousand seven team. Um, they experimented a lot with the potential lineups. They, t- they tinkered and, you know, retooled at moments, you know, Anthony Parker, Chris Bosch, they started every game they played in the playoffs uh, and TJ Ford pretty much did as well. Uh, Nasterovich played, started a lot of games too. So I guess he was more to your center, Chris Bosch, your power forward, which makes a little more sense. And then that power, that small forward spot went through a bunch of different guys. Uh, and maybe the, the most solid of those guys, uh, although he was, Maybe not because he was in the twilight of his career at this point. But Mo, Morris Peterson, Mo Pete, he was still in that mix. Jose Calderon, we mentioned him in his first few years as a, a point guard in the NBA. Andrea Bargnani, the recent number one overall pick. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, he he underwhelmed. He he did not live up to expectations. But people forget he when he, he was at his peak, he was a fairly decent player overall and maybe even a bit of an above average starter when he started but he was off the bench in the season uh stretch four stretch five Juan Dixon a guard who who kind of a combo guard um Joey Graham who's a interesting player at that small forward spot maybe fit more of a power forward type mold but that was really the mix and again they tinkered a lot and even in the playoffs they you know Calderon would start a game Joey Graham would start a game uh, Andre Bargnani started half the games he played in the playoffs and in the playoffs they did perhaps underachieve a little bit you know you think about they played a first round series against the New Jersey Nets who at that time they had Vince Carter that must have been tough to lose to him after you know the recent trade to New Jersey they weren't going to be a world beater they probably weren't going to make it that far in the playoffs but this was a, a big step forward as far as the legitimacy of the Toronto Raptors you know let's think about this franchise before this season, uh, 95 to 2006. This was a team that had Vince Carter, who many people thought was, you know, people go two ways on Vince Carter. Either he's one of the best players in the league at the time, or he's one of the most overrated players in NBA history. You can go both ways. Regardless, in those years, you know, those peak years of Raptors contention, good rosters overall, good coaching from coaching from Lenny Wilkins, a coaching legend. Um Vince Carter was the leader. And in those peak years with, you know, one of those top level talents, they were, you know, mid forties in terms of wins each season, you know, losing in the first round one year making the conference semis. And outside of that, it was a lot of really bad teams. And so it was still a young franchise. They'd had brief success with a star and now they were trying to establish themselves as a, respectable franchise as a whole not just a you know competitive team for that season and so i think this 07 team really was a big factor as far as you know adding to the franchise history of okay we've had it wasn't just vince carter 
and then we had nothing. You know, we had a content a, a competitive team in the mid two thousands with a good mix of you know players, and that in some ways you know helps contribute to the later you know the stretch that we've had over the last ten ish years where they were consistently a contender in the East and won a championship in 2019, you know, and it's easy to say that those things aren't related and perhaps they're not, but I think fan perception, having teams like this competitive in the mid two thousands kind of helped build the Raptors as not just, you know, a novelty franchise with a weird funny logo and the odd uniforms and the colors and all of that to a team with legitimate NBA history that's been competitive in the NBA has had great players and a team that could eventually go on to win a championship. And so that's what I think this 07 team is all about building to that, you know, legitimacy of a franchise. You know, they have a player like a Chris Bosch alongside of Vince Carter, who have been star players, all-star players on competitive teams for the Raptors in a competitive division, that Atlantic division. Uh, so I think that was, you know, an important thing uh, to, to acknowledge, and that's why I wanted to highlight this team as a whole. Again, they didn't go very far in the playoffs, but it was a nice all-around team, and it was a surprise team, kind of a feel-good story in some ways for the Raptors. Um, let's talk about the one player. I mentioned this very briefly uh, a few minutes ago. One player on that team, the star player, and you know, in the running for best player in Raptors franchise history, you know, it, it's probably still easy to argue that he is the best as far as he had a good stretch. He was a star player, multiple-time All-Star. He was an All-NBA guy one of those seasons, that 2007 season. Uh, we're talking about Chris Bosh, of course. And it might be easy to say, well, Kawhi Leonard is the greatest, you know, finals MVP on a championship team. He was an MVP candidate that year. Having only played one season, you could argue both ways, and I think it's certainly valid to – champion him as potentially the best player in their franchise history. Um, but at the same time, you know, Chris Bosch had a little more longevity. He played there for, uh, you know, about six seasons and was consistently all-star caliber player or nearing that, you know, when he was a rookie. And so I want to talk Chris Bosch, you know, underrated career. He certainly got uh, honored for that within the last year or two. Uh, I think it was last year's hall of fame class that he was in. So he's a hall of famer now, along with a good resume, 11-time All-Star in his career, a two-time champion, of course, with the Miami Heat, all-rookie team, and 2007 All-NBA member. And, you know, it's important to remember that in 03, that 03 draft, he was just one member of one of the most stacked draft classes in NBA history, especially top five, you know, those players. LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and he gets kind of forgotten with James, Wade, and even Carmelo Anthony at times, uh, you know, Melo had a little more personality as far as a star player, a fan favorite with his teams, the Nuggets and the Knicks. But Bosch was just solid. And he, outside of LeBron and Dwayne Wade, I'd say he's easily the third best, even ahead of a Carmelo Anthony, as far as the consistent play, versatility, you know, being a touch ahead of his time with how adept he was as a stretch four. He wasn't the first stretch four, but he was one of the best, uh, maybe the best in the 2000s. Uh, and so certainly worth talking about him. You know, his early life, he had a, a pretty, uh, you know, he, he's maybe one of the top kinds of prospects he could ever have when he was in high school. He was a guy that was, 
on Lincoln High School, their team, and they were number one ranked in the country. They were 40-0, and so the team was stellar. Uh, his stats were phenomenal. He was averaging, you know, 20-plus points a game, 15-plus rebounds easily, you know. Uh, in their uh, state title game, 23 points, 17 rebounds, nine blocks. So he's got a, a very multifaceted game. He's got great height. His team is successful. And by the way, he's, you know, a a great student as well. He was a National Honor Society member, um, you know, involved, very involved, very uh, accomplished academically as a high schooler. Uh, you know, great. He had a great upbringing, modeled his game after Kevin Garnett, which certainly translates into the player he became in the NBA. Um you can you can imagine the skill set, the team success, and his you know uh, academic prowess. He must have had recruiting offers from every college you could imagine, and he ended up going with Georgia Tech because of the genuineness of their head coach Paul Hewitt at the time. So, he has a great productive uh, freshman year in college. Um, you know, competitive team in Georgia Tech that season, and actually is a one and done. He decides to enter the NBA. And he's talked about that in uh, in retrospect, the fact that even though he he did he misses those college days, really enjoyed his college career, probably could have been one of the great college players of all time if he had stayed. Um, he he still you know thinks, hey, I made the right decision. My stock was still high. I proved that I was already a great college player. You know why not enter the draft and you know get started right away, get you know making money as a professional. Um, and again, kind of unique. Uh, he's drafted to the Raptors. They had already traded their starting center, Antonio Davis, so he was forced to play out of position already, but he still played above expectations, and that helped contribute to him being, you know, acclimating to the game and being such a great player later on. Um, again, he was the face of the Raptors. By the end of his Raptors tenure, he led the franchise in most categories that you can think of, uh, you know, rebounds, defensive rebounds, offensive rebounds, uh, rebounds per game, blocks, free throws, you know, double-doubles. Most of the stats you can think of, he was and or is a franchise leader in those stats. Of course, he he moves on to Miami. That was technically a sign and trade. Uh, So let's see if I can find. Yeah, so they sent 2011 first-round draft picks, which became Norris Cole and Jonas Valanciunas. Interestingly enough, Norris Cole ended up with Miami himself. So the pick that became Jonas Valanciunas was part of the sign-and-trade, technically, that brought Chris Bosh to Miami. Uh, so the Raptors got a little bit of a consolation there. Valanciunas would become a solid player himself. But, you know, this was where Chris Bosh had a chance to be a little more nationally recognized, but also have greater team success. And, of course, they did. That, that big three in Miami, two championships, four consecutive finals, hard to do much better than that. You know, stellar, stellar era there, and especially 2013 was maybe the most recognizable play in Chris Bosch's history, certainly his history, but maybe one of the most iconic plays in recent NBA history within the past 20 years. You know, the LeBron, you know, shot rims out. Bosch is the one to grab the rebound, kick it out to Ray Allen, for the three that ties the game, they win in overtime and they end up winning that championship series. Um, you know, phenomenal play. And, you know, it's one of those 
it's not a glamour play. The glamour play was the Ray Allen three, but you had to have the Chris Bosch rebound to make it happen. And kind of typifies his career in a way, as far as, you know, consistently solid, so, you know, a little bit underrated and a champion above all else, you know, the end of his career was, was disappointing for, for all involved. You know, he had issues with, uh, with blood clots uh, and it kind of became a recurring medical issue. Um, his last game he played was in uh, Feb- February of 2016. He didn't know at the time that would be his last game played, um, but he had to sit out multiple seasons with this issue. The NBA eventually kind of deemed it a career-ending you know, issue. He eventually decided to retire officially after trying to make that comeback for a few seasons in 2019. Uh, right, right at that point... Um, or actually just before that point, after the Heat had technically released uh, Chris Bosh, waived his contract, uh, you know, Pat Riley declared, we're, we're going to retire that number. Um, we'll never be worn. This is the direct quote from Pat Riley. The number one will never be worn by another player, and we can't wait to someday hang his jersey in the rafters. Uh, and so they retired his jersey in 2019, uh, just a couple months, or just a month after he had officially retired from the NBA. So, he got honored that way. He was, you know, a uh, recent Hall of Famer. So he's been recognized for how stellar of a career he had. Uh, what's more, he was also a, a national, he was an Olympic uh, gold medalist, you know, with that 2008 uh, Redeem team. Uh, of course, Dwayne Wade and LeBron and Carmelo Anthony also on that team, which is an interesting note, but he was an NBA champion, an Olympic champion, and uh, a real credit to the the NBA uh as a professional, you know, again, he was a great standout student and he was more than just a basketball player. He was, you know, uh, a man of many talents. He actually did some, uh, a bit of voice acting, some acting. He was apparently on, uh, a episode of a, an X-Men cartoon. He was on some TV shows, made some appearances. He's been a great philanthropist, uh, during his NBA career and after his NBA career, um, and so he's well accomplished, you know, and he also had a great NBA career alongside that. So just wanted to recognize Chris Bosh, um, despite people making fun of him at times for kind of looking like a dinosaur, you know, he's one of the greats in uh, NBA history over the last 20 years. He's, you know, one of the top 50 players, I'd say, over the last 20 years. That would be a pretty, I don't know, maybe it feels high. I'd have to really think about it, but he's certainly a great player, multi-time all-star. Hard to say too much more than that. Uh, just a great player and one of the greatest in Raptors history. With that, that takes care of our franchise focus. I'll go ahead and give you our uh, This Day in History fact to wrap things up. Going back not too far to 2008, uh, March 16th of 2008, Denver blows out Seattle 168-113, to uh, putting up the most points by any NBA team in almost 20 years at that point. Uh, eight Nuggets scored in double figures in that game um which you know pretty good uh and to to win by that big a margin and put up that many points that's pretty remarkable so kind of similar yesterday there wasn't a wealth of incredible facts from that specific day in history but that's still a cool one so uh certainly want to make note of that uh that takes care of our episode for today i want to thank you all for listening on tomorrow's show, we'll have a, a brief show as far as our game summaries, our key news, and getting you some game previews for uh, this weekend and the games that will happen this weekend. 
Um, with that, you know, thanks again. If you want to check out our Instagram page, that's crossover across time. Uh, all one word on Instagram. We share content from the show, but also do our best to share content from across the NBA. So it's a great place alongside the podcast itself to stay up to date on what's happening in the NBA. So definitely check it out. Uh, thank you all again for listening. Probably the third time I said thank you, but uh, we'll be back with you on tomorrow's show.